0: Are you going to point at me? I'm like waiting for the Joe point. (laughs) Joe point to let me know. We start talking now. Hi, friends. (laughs) Welcome to our time of the month. This is a monthly arts review podcast that you receive monthly, like a period.
1: Get it. Someone went, ah. Someone someone out there there was like,
0: Oh, they've been listening to us for three years. And they went, our time of the month.
1: Oh, yeah. I get it now.
0: I get it now. It's about menstruation. Cool. Anyway, it's also about us reviewing art stuff amidst the quarantine times and the end times and the pandemic times and the COVID times.
1: All the times.
0: All of the times (laughs) Um, But this is art time of October 2020 And October was 47 years long Mm -hmm. Would you
1: agree? Yeah, there was a lot that happened I felt like Christmas is tomorrow (laughs) Right? Yeah, we just fast forward I'm like ready
0: And also, can we calm it down, y'all? Can we just have a Thanksgiving For a second? And then you're like, oh, but wait Nobody's traveling and going to be with their families at Thanksgiving. So, oh, wait, got it. Okay.
1: Let's already (sighs) do, like, you know, that, like, that COVID pandemic quarantine, like, special on NBC that you know is coming Mm -hmm. where, you know, Billie Eilish performs in her basement, (laughs) I'll be home for Christmas.
0: Well, right away we know that for the first time, Ever in like 50-something years, if not longer than that. The Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade is not happening. Mm -hmm. It is happening um, virtually. So there will be like virtual performances or whatever that means. Whatever. Virtual is not the same as the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Um, And also the Rockettes Christmas Spectacular is not happening. Like these New York institutions... Are just gone right now. It's so weird. Mm-hmm, it's so mm-hmm. strange. I hate this holiday season. Josephine, make it go away
1: soon. It'll it'll be here soon, <laughs> and then it'll be done and, soon. You know soon. we'll have to we'll have to have Christmas inside your heart, where you scream. <laughs> <inside your laughs> where heart.
0: I scream daily. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for that reminder. Um, so we have a couple of things to cover in this month's episode, we have, um, a lot of things that we heard about, but we paid no attention to. So like we heard about it, we know it's out there. We still have not watched it, um, or paid attention to it, but maybe one day, like four months from now, we'll like turn that corner and be like, Oh yeah, that thing. I finally caught up to it. I did that this month actually. With another item that I'll talk to you about. I'll talk to you about. Oh, okay. Uh huh. I was like real late to the game, but I finally got caught up. Um, So, we're going to talk about some news items, some things that have come up as we ramp up towards election D Day. Um, We're going to talk about like kind of the continuing state of the arts in the pandemic um, and what's being shut down, what's being postponed. Um, Some real good books have come out. And of course, we have our glitter sports and mm-hmm. all of it. There is a glittery costumed sport for us to pay attention
1: to. I mean, if it wasn't for the glitter sports,
0: oh, God. I don't know
1: how we could get through. I don't know how I could get through this, but I
0: mean, the thing is though, like I love the glitter sports because of the comfort of Tom Bergeron and he's gone. And now I'm stuck with annoying Tyra and I struggle with that. Josephine. It's a struggle.
1: If there's anything that Tyra can be credited for, it is uniting the fandom against her. Like we I have mean, a common oh enemy. My
0: God. Yeah. We're we'll get to that in a scope. Okay. okay. Um, Josephine, I would like you to talk to us about Saturday Night Live's seven hundredth season. Go ahead.
1: Yes, Uh, was it forty six? Season forty six, I think. Um, This season is interesting. They, um, I mean, again, like the opening credits of Saturday Night Live. You know, they immortalize the cast members in that time, and you have um, starting with Beck Bennett, um, all of them kind of going back to work. So Mm -hmm. this, the theme of the opening credits is each one of them arriving to Thirty Rockefeller Center. And the first one's Beck Bennett, and he's got his mask on. And one by one, they're getting off the subway. They're coming down the street, getting back to work. Which, you know, kind of was very emotional, at least for me. And just Mm -hmm. to see this institution that, uh, you know, like, ended so abruptly. They made it work towards the end. It's been a very long summer. No idea what was going to happen. Mm -hmm. And they're all back. Um, And... And, yeah, so, like, it started with that, and then right away, the first season opener, Chris Rock. um, I was expecting Chris Rock to go out there with a microphone and do some stand-up, as with most of, um, with most stand-ups do. But, you know, he technically is here promoting Fargo. He's promoting Mm -hmm. uh, The Witches, which he's in, uh, The New Witches on on HBO Max. So he's not there as a stand-up, but he still Mm -hmm. was pretty funny. It's been a really interesting season to see um their audience is made up of uh essential frontline workers. Everyone is masked. The only people that are not masked are the performers while they're performing on camera. Um, even at the good nights, there are people wearing masks. Mm-hmm. It's you know, just the idea that they're trying to make a live television show, live studio audience happen in real time.
0: Yeah, because I we're thought was that. very yeah. yeah.
1: No, it's very interesting.
0: It is. And we're seeing live television start to kind of come back with the late nights, you know, Mm -hmm. with like our late night TV hosts are coming back, but again, in like a very modified way, you know, like with zero audience. So then like the only people in the studio are essentials. Um, And so I love that SNL has come back as a New York institution and their audience is back as well, but even like socially distanced. Throughout the studio. Um, I have been really excited about, or I was really excited about the news of Jim Carrey coming on and like cast as this season's Joe Biden. Mm Mm-hmm. And obviously, we knew that Maya Rudolph was going to be Kamala Harris because she already fucking won an Emmy for it, which is amazing. She's incredible. Um, I was really excited about the news of Jim Carrey because back in the day, when he was a stand-up comic, SNL turned him down, and that's when he very famously got picked up by the Wayans brothers and went over to *In Living Color*. Mm-hmm. So, which obviously like gave him the most amazing leg up, and really embraced him in a way that SNL never really could. So for him to now make this transition over to SNL, it's a really interesting thing to see. How do you feel like he's doing?
1: Um, I don't think we need to see, I don't think I need to see uh, Jim Carrey as uh, America's crazy grandpa. Um mm. <laughs> which is it's just so
0: There's interesting like a to see him touch of fire marshal bill in there too you know yeah
1: it's very unlike yeah. we're seeing a little fire marshal bill we're definitely seeing a little in living color yeah. um that yeah. come through um it, it's very it, i i don't know i i think it's fun i think what they're trying to do with it's fun i think the first episode with him and it was a little rough mm-hmm. um I thought the stuff with the fly was a little overwrought, even though I'm glad that they referenced the fly because yeah. a lot of people were. Had but, to, you know. Yeah. I I'm glad it was. Uh, I'm glad it was there. I thought the Herman Cain stuff was really off color. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, but <laughs> I think he's okay. I really do. Pr- I prefer like a Woody Harrelson Biden. Oh yeah. Um, I kind of. Yeah, I kind of miss uh, Jason Sudeikis Biden because (laughs) I feel like I mean because that's definitely not the kind of Joe Biden that we're getting in 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 real life is the Jason Sudeikis Biden. So I think like the Woody Harrelson Biden would have been great because he's still kind of playing that off. So
0: that's a really good point. Like and Jason Sudeikis and Woody Harrelson Mm -hmm. both played a much younger Biden. Remember when Mm -hmm. Biden was in the office with Obama he was a good decade and changed younger, you know, and he's significantly older, elderly now, you know, if he is to be elected tomorrow, he will be the oldest U S president ever elected older than Reagan um, and older than our sitting president right now. So, um, so it's interesting that Carrie is playing him like the crazy grandpa because he kind of is like the more I've watched, the more that I've watched Biden speak publicly, like, yes, he's like playing to the Americana piece of it. Right. You know, but he's also like, eh, looking a little pulled and tucked, you know, and I'm like, dude, Biden get a facelift. <laughs> I feel maybe like it's just
1: needed. wearing a mask.
0: <laughs> I feel like I, maybe he got a little nip and tuck before he decided to run I again. Mean-
1: And then you have like, I mean, Maya Rudolph is killing it, it's Kamala Harris. Of course. Um, You have, uh, I'm glad to see that, you know, everybody is back in terms of, I mean, first of all, last week was Adele, uh, no, two weeks ago was Adele as of recording this, and that was a shock to me. Like, I had no idea that Adele was going to be on. More than that, I didn't know that Adele was going to be on, Um, and she was... um, not good. Like, not going to be singing. You thought she wasn't good? No. I did not think she was good. Oh, I'm like, no. I
0: love Adele. Like, love mm-hmm. Adele. I did not think that she was a great host. Like, I thought her episode was boring. And I also thought that Issa Ray's episode was boring. Like, a lot. I'm expecting so much more from this season. And I'm like, meh. It just feels a little safe right now to me, and I feel like, I don't know, maybe that's a good thing because the whole world feels so unsafe, but um, I don't know. I feel like if if ever there was a time for SNL to go balls to the wall, it should be now. The
1: the, the sketches in those particular episodes, the sketches that I'm most, uh, that I'm, that I find the funniest are sketches where they're not really featured. Like mm-hmm. I thought Bonjour High in Issa Ray's episode was really, was yeah. really great. And she was not really featured. And I actually thought, I thought Adele did a really decent job for someone. It's her first time hosting. She's mm-hmm. not the musical guest. They poked fun at that. They poked fun at like, you know, the whole bachelor thing. I thought it was really great because it gives her a chance to kind of see this new side of herself and, mm-hmm. um, and I know that, that was this was something that she really wanted to do, especially since SNL holds such a um, special place in her heart for launching her American career. That
0: is true. Um, yeah. That was pretty sweet to I see. I think the,
1: the most surprising one for me was probably Bill Burr. Um I actually thought Bill Burr's was really was really funny. Um, mm-hmm. because he he's playing into he's pushing the envelope and especially with his stand-up, he's like I don't I'm not familiar with his stand up at all but like he was pushing it in the monologue and I was like ooh I think he's going to lose people but then he starts to bring them back a little bit and I'm like okay it's tone it's not really going there but going right up to the edge um sure. And so I I was really surprised by him and we'll see, they're having an episode uh, the Saturday after the election and then they're going to take a little break mm-hmm. um, and we'll see what happens.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what happens. We'll see. Oh goodness. Well, speaking of all of like the kind of political features that have been coming out this month as we ramp up to election day, which as we record this is tomorrow, so we're recording this the night before Election Day, although it's going to be a – it's predicted to be a whole week of this, you know, if not longer because could be uncertain and mm-hmm. hoo-ha, whatever. Um, so in uh, an effort to get people to vote, which thankfully people are turning out to vote early and in record numbers, which is so exciting to see, um, the West Wing had a reunited performance where they did a really special, beautiful staged – performance of one of their classic episodes from season three. Um, now I know that you are not a West wing viewer. Mm -mm. (laughs) Like mm, mm, mm. no one can see you shaking your head. I can, but no one else can. So I didn't watch it when it originally came out. I watched it like much later. Um, but then like, Oh, it just like gets to you, you know, it's, mm, it's good. Um, and it's, it's just – I don't know how to describe it other than it's like such a beautifully smart, um, like so subtly performed and it just like rock star cast, it's, it's bananas amazing. So they got everybody from their cast to return to perform this and what they did was they kind of performed this as – a staged reading almost with like minimal sets. Um, And they, the cast now, 20 years later, older, um, performed this episode verbatim. with, And within the commercial breaks, the cast themselves um, spoke about the importance of voting and things like that. Now, one of the original cast members of the West Wing was John Spencer, and he died. Um, So the dude from West Wing, uh, from uh, This Is Us, stepped in to take his place in this episode. Um, why am I thinking? I'm missing his name. Mm-hmm. Sterling?
1: Sterling K. Brown.
0: Thank you. I'm <laughs> like, why am I forgetting his name? Sterling K. Brown stepped in for John Spencer.
1: Um, and Who was he- Leo, right?
0: Yeah. He played Leo. Um, Uh and he just did a beautiful job. So it was a really subtle, beautiful performance. Some, some of the people that I know saw it were like, I never expected like the most beautiful theater I'd see this year to be a reunited episode of the West wing, you know, but they did it in an old historic theater where they were the only ones in there. And they showed everybody following really strict COVID protocols and keeping everybody super safe. Um, it was just a really beautiful um, piece of television reimagined as theater and then released as television again. And it was, oh God, it was just, it was really beautiful. So if you haven't seen it already, that's on HBO Max. Um, and it was released specifically to uh, encourage encourage the vote. Um, so it, like just... Encouraging voter registration, and there's still a ton of states where you can register on the mm-hmm. day of, and and all of that. So it was just, it was beautiful. Um, another political piece that was released um, was Pete Souza's documentary, and it was released on MSNBC with no commercials. So it was a documentary called "The Way I See It," and Pete Souza was Reagan's White House photographer. And then very famously, Obama's White House photographer. And when he was asked to be Obama's photographer, the only condition he asked for was that he had unlimited access to the president and that he would be photographing every moment of the presidency. Um, And he did. He took some of the most beautiful shots. But what was so unique about Pete Souza's time in the White House is that that was really the presidency that... Um, was shared the most via these images um, through social media, through the White House website. They released Pete Souza's photography. Like weekly and monthly. Um, and so a lot of his work was out there, and those beautiful, iconic images of like little boys touching uh, President Obama's hair, um, the, like beautiful images of like him and Michelle in quiet moments and all of that stuff. But Pete Souza, very famously, since our um, 45 has been in the office. Pete Souza has been like throwing shade <laughs> and like anytime there's anything scandalous that's going on within the white house, which is like every other day right now, um, Pete Souza is releasing a photograph or has been releasing photographs of the way Obama did it in his time. And like just very subtly started throwing shade and like it caught on like wildfire and people started noticing what Pete Souza was doing and that he was getting political, that he was speaking out against it. Um, and so this documentary just really in a very amazing and emotional and beautiful way documents that process of how he stopped being an objective photographer and started being a political voice. Um, because you know, he was like, "I I couldn't go back to being a political photographer now if I wanted to because I'm no longer objective." You know, like he's very clearly stated his opinion now. Um, so, but it's just, it's such a beautiful testament to still photography in that it's still a really valid, beautiful art form. Um, but also, the way that art can shine a light on politics, the way that art can incite and educate. Um, and, and, you know, this dude and like towards the end of his career is like still making noise and that's really exciting. So if you have a chance, it was on MSNBC without commercials, but now I believe it's being streamed on Peacock for free. Awesome. It is absolutely worth watching, Josephine. I highly encourage it. Maybe that's another thing that you do tomorrow on election. Maybe, Day. Yeah. It would be a good like it's like a good heartwarming make you remember why you love our country kind of film um
1: i i it may be good. I don't and honestly think I will watch it because it will make me feel very longing and depressed for what we had.
0: you would think and... that you would think that, but It's not, if anything, it's like motivating and it's exciting. I don't, I don't know. I didn't, I was a little worried to watch it also because I was thinking like, oh, it will just make me sad, Mm -hmm. but it didn't. It was like this beautiful time capsule of, Mm -hmm. and also like the fact that his photographs ensure that that was what was once this glorious moment in time for like-minded people like us. Um, that that's still living, you know. Like it, it ensures that that continues. So, anyway, I won't press it further. But there you have it.
1: <laughs> uh, Broadway uh, is pushed to potentially June twenty twenty one. I feel like that's um, all for wishful thinking. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's all wishful thinking. And again, like you know, there are definitely. What's interesting about this, right, is that there are other countries that have like the official versions of shows, you know, that are that that sit in those other countries. Mm -hmm. And so what I know was something that was being talked about very early on in the pandemic was swapping casts where the Broadway cast would go to Mexico or uh, for something or they would go to Asia um, or what have you. Um, now with, you know, America being, uh, closed to the, uh, everyone's closing their doors to us, Mm -hmm. not necessarily sure how that's going to happen. However, Mm -hmm. it is something that's very hopeful and, um, we'll, we'll see It's, it's, you know, that we all can't, all we can say is that we'll see. It's been interesting to see, um, a lot of the Broadway folks that I follow, um, have kind of turned from, Posting about their shows to getting very political and getting very and and using their following and their platform to you know it, to enhance their activism, which is really great. Um, and it's also nice to kind of see them still performing in ways where that you know in ways that still make sense for them. Uh, It's unfortunate that, like, with television coming back, movies are coming back, these are all ways that you can control because there isn't that live component there the way it is with um, theater. Um, And even then, there are still some theaters that are trying to make it work. Um, You know, you can definitely do it on the local, on the regional level, um, but when it comes to Broadway, billion-dollar industry, where it, you know, It's just not something you can really
0: Which is already not a financially sustainable model, you know. And so Broadway's being hit super duper hard. Um, And also, like, I think, you know, Fauci himself said that um, Broadway's not going to reopen until, like, one year after there's a vaccine. Like, Broadway's going to be the very last thing. The very, very last thing to reopen. And that is soul-crushing and heartbreaking and puts an entire industry of theater workers out, not just the people we see on stage, obviously. And so it is a really, really devastating blow to us, but everybody's working really hard to do what we can to, um, you know, to bring arts back in a way that is safe and, and manageable for uh, the people on stage, the people behind stage, and also the people in audiences. And that's just not a possibility right now. Um, I think that Broadway keeps pushing this to like a polite next date. Um and it's just <laughs> I almost wish that they would just rip off the band-aid and say like it's going to be 2024 <laughs> or like something that's like it's just it sounds so sad and it sounds really devastating to say it like that, but we're almost in 2021. It's going to be a very long time before audiences can safely go back to being audiences that can enjoy without having their safety compromised.
1: And and until, I mean, again, there's, there's definitely creative ways to, there are definitely people who are innovating and finding creative ways to bring arts to people. Um, but again, in like in the way that it was before is going to take a very long time, Mm -hmm. um, without some, um, Without having, uh, without adapting to the current moment,
0: yeah.
1: So, I mean, like, to. I did watch. I watched the um, Hula Hula uh, with Bette Midler and the full, the the How full, was that? Um, Tell me about that. You know what? It was super gay. Um, knows her I audience for sure. <laughs> um, it was definitely. It was definitely like, you know, this was, there are parts that were pre-recorded where they just like literally sat in front of a green screen and then input somebody um, who was like at their home, like very much the zoom thing, um, mm-hmm. which is fine. Cause like, this is what we, this is what we have. Um, but it was nice to, it was, it was kind of done in the style of like, this is a documentary about the Sanderson sisters and, in, mm-hmm. and, what was great for me is that it was hosted by Elvira, which you know, love, yeah. love, love, um, and it was fine. You know, it was it was definitely uh, an okay time, and it was nice to see um, Sarah Jessica Parker with Bette Midler with Kathy and Jimmy as like all three of them in the same room dancing to "I Put a Spell on You."
0: That is cute. You know what's funny that I wanted to also kind of talk about. Um, did we talk about this last month? If we're talking about reunions, did we talk about the father of the bride reunion?
1: Um, I don't remember. We may have.
0: Did we talk I about
1: think
0: we it? We did. Sevens. Did we talk about it? The father of the bride. Three. No,
1: it was on. It was on our list, but we forgot.
0: Are you lying to me right now? I
1: d- I remember like I thought we were going to talk about it because I actually um, <laughs> I actually watched Father of the Bride that that uh, I watched Father of Bride in September for the first time,
0: uh, <gasps>
1: oh. and so watching the reunion was pretty cool.
0: It was, um, and I'm I can't for life of right me remember if we talked about it here or not. Sevens, please forgive us. We are old ladies with failing memories.
1: It's not on the list. So I don't think we talked about it.
0: So this actually happened at the end of September. Um, but we didn't talk about it last month, apparently. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> uh, Yeah. So Nancy Myers kind of recreated like a half hour or something. It was like 25 minutes or something. Um, recreation of this reunion, this reunited cast where they were all on zoom and, you know, it's, it was, again, it was another like reunited green screened in kind of, you know, Martin short was green screened in and all of that. Um, and it it
1: was was, also green screened in for Hula (laughs) Wayne.
0: Yeah, of course, you know, and it was, it was sweet. Um, Ben Platt played the son that Diane Keaton and Steve Martin had. And then no, wait,
1: no, he played um, he their played, daughter. He played the grandson.
0: Annie's daughter. Annie's son. Yeah. A-
1: Annie's son, yeah.
0: Yes. Got it, got it, got it. And then who played the daughter?
1: I have no idea who she was, but someone else played their daughter.
0: Got it, got it. Anyway, Ben Platt ended up singing again, blah, 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 whatever. Anyway, um, the reunion was really cute, though. It was a sweet little mm-hmm. moment to see.
1: I love it because like what, Kieran, Kieran Culkin, um basically the whole premise is that they're getting married on Zoom and she's, uh, his fiance is a nurse or a doctor and is yeah. in quarantine housing. Like it was, yeah, yeah it's very. it
0: was fun. sweet. It was like a really lovely little nugget to like make you feel good amidst this quarantine times. Um, and yeah, and it was done as like a, food to help serve the food pantry of, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was lovely. Anyway, I'm glad that you brought up the um, Hocus Pocus reunion. That's
1: yeah, I was, I was like, like oh, oh, I did wait. do that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I did a thing. Yeah, we're struggling. Um, we were looking at our list this month, listeners. We're just going to break it all the way down for you and get real real about it. Because we looked at our list and we were like, a lot of stuff happened and we didn't really do any
1: of it because it was such a long month you know yeah. it's just like it was like you know there's a lot of exhaustion happening oh god
0: everyone are you feeling the fatigue that we are all feeling right now like
1: it's fatigue it's depression fatigue. it's just like anticipation it's everything
0: it's, so it's also
1: happy. like coupled with a time change and seasons and you know yeah,
0: and a full moon and Race and moon
1: um, during <laughs> Mercury yeah. retrograde and Scorpio yeah, it's season and a of
0: like a lot of different things right now and so October was seventy five years long it was real yeah. long and um and in the longest month ever we really didn't get much done but but there was so we're, we're still so. here we're still here we're just here to talk about how tired we are
1: yeah. <laughs> uh speaking of uh, speaking of tired the tony nominations did happen
0: oh um, tired um for like yeah. the three shows that had <laughs> there were like three shows up for nominations
1: i was like okay so it was,
0: like second if
1: I, it was just like it was nice to see that they were going to adhere to their strict rules um even in the face of like global pandemic and the fact that like, not everybody is going to, n- we're not going to be able to see Broadway for a while. Mm-hmm. Um and, and that's kind of like, I just remember thinking like, Oh, the Tony nominations are going to be this day. And then a couple days later being like, Oh, I guess I missed them live. But finding mm-hmm. out that they didn't even, there's not a date yet for the Tonys and who knows what it's going to be. If they, if honestly, if they had any, Ingenuity it would be a telethon And it would be mm-hmm. A fundraiser for act, uh, Actors equity or something like that Yeah I, I mean that would be brilliant Yep But mm-hmm. I mean we'll see uh, Congratulations to Aaron Tveit <laughs>
0: for <laughs> he's already won his Tony Because he's the only one nominated Aaron But I did Tveit. hear
1: something that if, if the Tony voters don't If he doesn't get at least 60% He still may not win
0: Oh shut up <laughs> we could have no winner in that category
1: I, I, can you imagine though? Like, like if you're the only name and no one votes for you, that would be boo boo shitty.
0: It then was. I would and say, he was yeah. actually a
1: lot of fun. It was great. And uh, more than anything, I was like, let's just get them all back. Let's uh, like empty their stage, get them all quarantined, put them in the bubble. Mm-hmm. We managed to have like live sports. We managed to have this, get them to do one performance mm-hmm. of something. And. I know. We'll see. I don't know. Um, But yeah, the problem there is that one
0: performance of something still requires catch up rehearsals, and and that's you know it's more exposure. It's not as simple. Like I think that for people who work outside of theater or outside of the industry, like they they might think it's as simple as like, well, sports are happening. Why can't why can't theater happen? Why can't you know all of these other like live performance events happen? And it's because of the enclosed spaces. It's because of the rehearsal time needed. It's because of the proximity to audiences. It's because of the shared air spaces. And a lot of New York theaters are old and don't have updated ventilation systems. It's like... There's so much that goes into it. And again, it's not just the people that we see on stage. It is the stage hands. It is the costumers, the people working wigs and makeup. It is the showrunners. It's the stage managers. It's everybody who works every single job. It's a person who sells you your ticket. You know, it's like there's so much involved in putting on one performance.
1: Understandable. However... However, I will say that I believe it would be possible, again, if you were able to adapt it in some way. If you were able to adapt it in some way. And I say this specifically as a kid who grew up on first on an island and then second on the West Coast, who didn't see Broadway until he was very much an adult. And, like, if there's one thing that's coming out of this particular age, it's the, it's the fact that, like, there is definitely more accessibility for, for those performances for kids who may not have that access. Because, again, it's not, though not everyone is going to have the chance to see that. And yes, mm-hmm. it's beautiful and magical when you do get the chance. Oh, no, no,
0: I great totally great. agree with you on that front, that, yeah. like, the joy of the Tonys is the exposure for kids
1: in... Oh, no, no, exactly, but, like, yeah, it's I just... I, I feel like it's just, like, they... It really just depends, and it's just kind of disheartening to see that, like, they went ahead and had nominations, but we still don't know, mm-hmm. like, when it's going to... Like it, at, le- at the very least, we should say, it's going to be in January. Like, give us something... Mm-hmm. But I mean, I, I mean, I just don't know what the point. Of- that's what I
0: mean. Like this is the one industry that's yeah. really kind of left in the dark and it's really yeah. like, we don't have answers. We don't have solutions. There's not one solution that can work for everyone. Yeah. I mean, even in it's not even as simple as the Emmy awards and setting up, you know, screens and telecasts and all over the place like you can't do that with live theater it's mm-hmm. it's so different so mm-hmm. there aren't any answers for our field yet and so yeah. we don't know
1: it's just yeah it's hard uh. it's
0: hard but one of the theater pieces. This is going to be my creative segue. One of the theater pieces that you can watch right now and
1: masterful, masterful.
0: Cool. Oh, thanks for that. I needed that.
1: You've done this before.
0: I mean, I'm not new here, Josephine. Um, one of the theater pieces you can watch, and I highly suggest that you do. Josephine is going to watch this tomorrow on election day.
1: Yes? Yes, that's my plan.
0: Okay. Um, is because- um why not? <laughs> Why not? There's a play right now that was filmed live and it is being streamed on Amazon prime called what the constitution means to me by Heidi Schreck. And it is for all intents and purposes, a one woman show. Um, but there is, there's one other actor who's featured in it for a small bit. Um, no, I'm lying. There's two other actors that are featured in it for small bits, but it's, it's largely this one woman driving the ship. And, um, and she tells the story of how she grew up in high school doing these constitution competitions where she would go and have to defend the amendments and um, and what they mean and why they're important. And when you watch it, it's like such a beautiful testament to the passion that you have for what you believe in when you're like a young kid and you haven't been jaded by the world and racism and all of that. Um, but also, it's this reminder of this document that was written 200 and something years ago, 300, how many, whatever, 200 and change years ago, but math, but, <laughs> but the fact that it's a living document and the fact that it's open to interpretation and the fact that the founders knew that, right? And so the fact that we get to... um look at these laws and 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 make them applicable to our lives today is is exciting. So anyway, I'm not going to tell you the whole damn play, but it is a really important piece of theater. When I was, the last time I was in New York, I was trying to get there to see it. Um, and I just didn't have that extra day to get a ticket. And I think it was all sold too, but it was definitely like on my list of if I have the time, I'm going to see that play. And I never did. So I'm so glad that I got to see it in this venue. Um, be, and I'm really glad that Amazon is streaming it because it's a really important piece for, for people to see. And like you were saying, that's a really great way for someone in podunk, wherever to, to witness New York theater.
1: Um Heidi Schreck was on an NPR's Ask Me Another and she was being interviewed and she said that the night the there was a performance where Ruth Bader Ginsburg attended and Ugh. um asked for a copy of the script from her and um a, like a week or two later uh received a messengered envelope that had um her and her notes in the script um that they that were just like she had a uh, she had written in like red ink this particular thing like uh to change this word to change this ah. like she she had written her her notes and then she had also sent additionally had sent her um certain things certain copies of things in order for oh to make God. sure that her interpretation of a particular section regarding the equal rights amendment was accurate
0: oh Since she my was God. so
1: um, I recommend going to uh NPR's Ask Me Another, the episode with Heidi Schreck uh from October and just listening to her talk about um mm. it and also what that moment was like to interact with uh mm-hmm. Justice Gisbert. Oh
0: my god, made you rest. But,
1: but one thing that she said, and to kind of wrap and to bring this all together is that one thing that audiences who watch these series won't who watch the the st- filmed version won't get is that at the end of the play there's, there's a, a live vote. component there's a there's live component
0: there's yeah. a
1: live component where she actually debates against a high schooler
0: that is um, in the show actually so
1: awesome okay. watch it
0: so you will see it um and that is and and she gives the statistics of throughout the entire run who won what debate who argued what side and why um, so just watch it and and enjoy it and I can't wait to talk to you about it when you're done watching it but.
1: I can't wait to and I was it made a very conscious decision like as I, it was released in October and I'm like I'm just gonna wait I'm gonna wait and then I was like you know what I'll just watch it on election day because I'm not gonna watch any coverage and at least this will make me feel a little bit better <laughs> about mm-hmm. things that are happening yeah um, Oddly enough, uh, what the Constitution means to me is somehow related to my favorite political documentary of the year, Boy State, mm. because the competition was through the American Legion, which is also Boy yep. State.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh goodness. Speaking of uh, things that are in a dumpster fire, uh, <laughs> oh, Quibby <no>. is done.
0: <laughs> oh, bye, Quibby. I never paid attention to you. Bye, bye,
1: Quibby. Uh, thanks for taking my money for six months. Um, How much well, no, did it cost you
0: for, for six months?
1: For It was $9 a month, but uh-huh. they I had a 90-day free trial. So, uh-huh. technically, they only took $30 for math. six months.
0: Yeah. You just, you just did some real good math right there. Just going to point that I out.
1: Was like, uh, I think that's what happens. Um, so, yeah. So, <laughs> again, Quibi... There's a lot of speculation about what could have happened, what contributed to Quibi. Was it truly the pandemic? Um, We'll never know. Uh, I... I think there was a lot of expectation that things were going to be, especially their unscripted content, which was a lot of their content was going to be more on the 10 minute side and not on the seven minute side. Mm -hmm. And this would have been a different story if like, maybe you were someone commuting on the train, you know, that's Mm kind of what they thought. Like, Oh, if we had like, if people had commutes again, or they were able to be places where they had lunch hours and not just at home, Uh against all their stuff. (laughs) So, but also, I mean, to be completely fair, like Meg Whitman, like Meg Whitman, who is on the board of Quibi, one of the founders, like you know, didn't have like doesn't watch any. Current television and Katzenberg like has like paper and you know they they really painted. There's this really kind of scathing review I think from Vulture of the downfall of Quibi and how like the people who are attached to it were also people who like don't get the current generation and don't mm-hmm. get television. Yeah. Um, so there you go.
0: Well, well, um, I want to. <laughs> There's no segue out of that a dumpster fire of Quibi, but um
1: Redeem may they rest. Us.
0: May they rest. Um, I would like to bring back the lost art of the book. <laughs> I want us to to go, let's dive back into literature. Um, you know, a written word. Um, and I want to talk about the fact that Miss Mariah Carey wrote her memoir. The meaning of Mariah. Now, Josephine, I am from Long Island. I don't know if you know this about me. (laughs) Have you met me?
1: (laughs) Do you know Teresa Caputo? Do you know the Long Island? I do not.
0: But (laughs) I do know exactly all of the places that Mariah Carey was talking about in her memoir. So First of all, I need to tell you that, and this is no bullshit. I am not bullshitting you. You know how much I read, right? Mm -hmm. You read a lot. I am a voracious reader. Like I read all the time. I'm usually reading like two books at a time. I read a ton of memoirs because I I love hearing about other people's lives and how they got to where they are. I think it's incredibly interesting. Mariah Carey's memoir is is I'm I'm not even kidding you and I can't understate this enough. It is one of the best memoirs I have ever read. And I'm not just saying that because of the Long Island connection. I am saying that because it is beautifully written. She is a writer and has been a songwriter her whole life, right? So she writes about her life so poetically and she's able to now at like 50, almost 50 or 50 years old, like reflect on her life and her childhood. But what really shook me was so much of her story is, um, she writes really baldly about the racism that she encountered as a light skinned girl growing up and as a mixed child on long Island, her parents were married before loving v. Virginia happened. So her parents got married when it was illegal for a white woman to be married to a black man. Um, and and her growing up as a mixed kid, when kids didn't know she was mixed and when they assumed that she was white, um, was like a really painfully traumatic thing for her. And and you can see it then kind of influencing the rest of her life. And she speaks so much to the pain and the trauma of, you know, her family, like specifically, like her her um her siblings and her relationship with her mother and things like that, and so she speaks really honestly about all of that, and then she gets into it with her marriage to tommy Matola and oh my God <laughs> but anyway, um, she went to high school down the street from my high school and For a time, she lived in the town that I grew up in on Long Island. And so apparently that was like a really tumultuous time in her childhood when she lived in that town. And so it was like, it was just really kind of fascinating to read and to kind of have that insight into her life. But it was so beautifully written. Like it was a really, really well done book. So if you are even mildly interested in Mariah Carey, if you have ever gotten down to like dream lover or like you've sung emotions at the top of your lungs in your car. And I know you have Josephine. Don't even lie.
1: Definitely. I know you have um, dream love than emotions, but yes.
0: Yeah. Um, or always be my baby. Forget it. Forget it. Shut it down. Um, yeah. I mean, just read the book. I promise you like, it's so, so great. And, and that is my review on the meaning of Mariah Carey. You are welcome. Love it. <laughs> and if you listen to the audiobook, she kinda like sings the interludes and stuff. And mm-hmm. of course, like she's she's so fantastic. I love her. I love her. She's not afraid to get a little trashy in that book.
1: I'm here for it. She's the queen, and and this is her time. We're moving into her season. She's this is
0: her time, exactly. I'm so so fucking here for it. I like. I re- I was so happy to read that book and to to see that it was like so well done. She talks about like her her big like breakdown on TRL, like when she had the whole like mental breakdown and everyone was criticizing her and all that. Like it's all explained and it's all there and it all makes sense when you understand all of these pieces of her puzzle. You know, which is what I love memoirs. It's why I love them. So anyway, speaking of glittery divas. Let us get into our glitter sports. Hi, Dancing with the Stars. We still hate Tyra.
1: Yeah, not good. Not good. Did you
0: see the news that just came out today, by the way? What? Jeannie Mai had to leave the competition early. Why? her a throat something or other. Like she had some kind of problem or complication or whatever. Her doctors told her that she had to leave the competition, so she had to leave.
1: Oh, wow. Wow, that's very, mm. wow. So we
0: have an and early this exit. An elimination
1: re- this is a double elimination
0: week. This was a double elimination week, so I'm thinking that maybe this week there's only going to be one eliminated instead of the two.
1: Uh-huh, mm-hmm.
0: But yeah, wow. Jeannie with the surprise early exit. She, to be fair, was not in our top three.
1: No, but she was definitely fun to watch. And Brandon was also yeah. very yummy to look at. So, like, uh-huh. I mean. You know,
0: I'm sad for you that you're missing your Brandon moments.
1: I mean, if anyone's going to dance the rumba, uh, you know, dedicated <laughs> to the their family's immigrant story.
0: Then... Okay. Uh, we have to talk about that moment. Okay, so Jeannie Mai had this really beautiful moment where, you know, she – inappropriately dedicated a very sexual dance to her immigrant family.
1: And I think I think what sealed it for me was Bruno was said it was so sensual, and <laughs> like,
0: this is Joe's greatest pet peeve when dancers dedicate the Latin dances to their sob stories. <laughs> it's so rude. Like, I'm dedicating this samba to my dying father. <laughs> I
1: was just like, no, but like, here's the thing: the story itself was very beautiful and very like, tragic, and and a lot of like a lot of people have that story specific. Typically, it was something along the lines of like when her mother was a little girl and her grandmother. Basically, they were trying to, you know, escape from Vietnam, and they were in a boat. And if the if his if her uncle, who was a young boy, had not woken up when he did, seeing that the boat was taking on water, they would have all died. Yeah. And and then and then this rumba is dedicated to all the and I'm like oh god yeah. And then she gets there. Yes. Oh, well, go ahead. Go ahead.
0: Well, I was just going to talk about the incredibly off color comments of Tyra Banks again. Oh, so, in God. the end, after she's gotten her critique and her score, not even before her score, she got her critique which was very emotional. You know, everyone was talking about how sexual and how sensual it was. Meanwhile, Jeannie's like standing there in tears, like crying about her almost dead family, right? So then Jeannie Mai turns to the camera and starts speaking in her native tongue to her family. At which point, Tyra wiles out (laughs) and talks over her like a dumbass white girl. (laughs) Just like, oh, I and I was like, shut up. It yeah. was so inappropriate. Yeah. On so- And even me retelling this right now is so inappropriate because it was so inappropriate. It was awful. It was
1: really inappropriate. I was like, oh, I was like, she made, she said that as if she was going to reply to her in Vietnamese. Like, that's something mm-hmm. you say when it's like, oh, girl, I didn't know you spoke Vietnamese. And then you speak back to them. Yes. So that way you have a common, like, girl, you could not it was be like, more she different. was
0: exploiting it. And she was like, oh, that's so cute. I didn't know that you spoke it too. Like, oh, it was such a dumbass like, thing to say. Yeah. It was so awful and off color. Tyra, boo
1: fail, boo. <sighs> any any, any favorite? Keep it I, Any okay? Favorites? We're gonna we're gonna flip this on its
0: side. I will say this, Neve. Oh, oh well. well, I have sexy time feelings for Neve now. Neve can get it. <laughs> he was so
1: <laughs> good. LA, what? Is it because he likes the ballet
0: listen it was because he went for the ballet moment he got the first perfect score of the whole season like but not only that he's just so inherently good he has a lot of natural talent and he's working hard to refine it and he is like the dark horse of this season nobody saw him coming you know like everyone was just kind of thinking like oh here's this like catfish dude whatever blah, blah, blah. and it's like watch the fuck out because he's about to snatch your crown. So there, that's my thought there.
1: Jenna just says to make sure she doesn't Scooby Doo pop pop him. Okay,
0: Uh, yo. Um,
1: It's like Jenna can make some champions, but like don't put a wig on. She can also Scooby Doo pop 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 him. Yes, she can Scooby Doo pop pop him. (laughs) Do not Um, want to Scooby Doo pop pop him. Um, (laughs) Nothing makes us laugh like talking about this show. By the way, (laughs) it's
0: the most ridiculous conversation we ever have, and I love it.
1: Okay, so I've been watching the next day, which is which is great for me because I can actually track like when wild things are about to happen because Ms. Wendy will be like she live texts me and I just like oh my god what is going on? <laughs>
0: Wait, I have to tell. So the first there was one night where I watched it live, but I watched it late, and so I just texted my like free thoughts to Joe as it was happening. And the next morning, I wake up to a, well, that was fun to wake up to. Now I can't wait <laughs> to watch it.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. And it wa- and I was like, oh, this is everything. This is all everything. Now I definitely need to watch it tonight. But I've also been watching it. So I've been watching in the living room of uh, my boyfriend's place. And I, I watch it with, like, headphones on because he's, like, studying.
0: Because he's so, silently judging you.
1: Because he's – and so I'm there, and I'm all, like, you know, I'm – it's it's reacting, reacting to the theater, um, to to the theater and the drama of it all, and um, yeah, it's been some interesting times. And I, and I look at him and I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm thank you for being <laughs> with me. Thank you
0: for, thank you. No, <laughs> you should, he should be thanking you because that show makes you so much gayer. <laughs> I bet you do so much more gay stuff after you watch a Dancing with the Stars. Oh.
1: Definitely. Um, I
0: mean, it's all there for you, boo. I love it. I want to talk about Justina Machado's um, flash dance moment.
1: Yes. Had to do the water. Sasha is really like, he, I, he, I need him to have a win because he mm-hmm. is so good.
0: I know. I want so that good. for you. I want that for you by way of Sasha.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. She, Justina Machado is doing really well. Um, I gotta say Johnny Weir, like first of all, Johnny Weir's faltering he's faltering a little bit. He won me back. Well I I hate I hate to say it, but like the music of his villains waltz to creep was much better than the actual waltz. Mm -hmm. But you know, you can always tell because when they put the smoke machine on, I'm like, oh, they're gonna go. They're hiding those
0: feet. When they put the smoke machine on, they don't want you to see that this pool doesn't know how to point his toes. That's mm-hmm. what's up there. Because that fool's been wearing ice skating skates boots for his whole life. He doesn't point toes. So there's the difference. When the lighting gets dim, when the smoke machines come on, they're trying to hide some shit. That's the real tea there. That's what's up.
1: Um we're not we're not here for it. We're not here. We're for not it.
0: here for it. I want those lights bright. I want to see pointed toes. I want to see whose shoulders are inching up. I wanna see tight frames. I need all of it here for it. The other piece I want to talk to you about sevens of listeners is the fact that if you recall last month, Josephine and I were split on our pick for the third spot. So we had both agreed that Neve, Justina are going to be in the top three, but that third spot was kind of up for debate. And he said, Scooby-Doo pop pop. And I said, (laughs) I'm sorry, they're interchangeable to me. But so Johnny Weir, Scooby-Doo, Pop-Pop, and I said The Bachelorette. I still don't even know her name. But if you've been paying attention, Bachelorette homegirl is dancing her ass off. She's doing really well. And Carrie and is being real hard on her, like unjustly so. She's like, you're not dancing with your soul. <laughs> like, it's so unfair. She's like, I'd beg to differ, but okay. Like, anyway. That's the right. I hate it. when she
1: does that. I really hate when Carrie Ann does that, especially because it it brings me back to when she said that to Simone Biles. Yes. Um, and I was like, "You're like a robot," and like calling her like basically she had no soul. And yeah. I was like, "Okay, so here's the thing." It's the like Bachelorette... Carrie Anne. You're
0: here to talk about their pointed toes. Like, come on, talk about their heels. I think.
1: I think that the Bachelorette has an unfair advantage because her and Chriselle Stuss are the same person. Like they are like I get them; they're interchangeable. Chriselle's gonna be; she's gonna go soon. I'm sure. I hope so. so who was? Yeah, it's just like Chriselle needs to go. So the
0: Monica, the cheer lady, she went uh, last week. I said, Joe, who do you think's gonna go home this week? He said, I hope one of the white ladies. <laughs> I was like,
1: "That's what I think of that," because <laughs> everyone like, oh, else was really that, there. and then one of the white ladies went home because Joe I cast his
0: witchcraft on it,
1: <laughs> <I> cast a <laughs> spell. I was like, "Girl, <laughs> oh, this white lady's gonna go next." Yes. Oh man. And now, uh, okay, so so we were all kind of like, "Okay, Alan's not gonna fuck his partner this year because like she's 18 Yeah. Um, But, and I was really concerned, like, okay, how's the chemistry going to be with the Argentine tango? And it wasn't bad. (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't bad because the week prior, she forgot how to walk. (laughs) The week
0: prior, she was like, do I even have feet? How am I dancing? I don't understand how feet move. And she failed so spectacularly. She had come off of her, like, sympathy pity ten win right when she did the dance for her dead friend right yes week prior, okay the following week she forgot how to walk and then the the next week this recent week she did really well with the argentine tango yeah but i don't have it for yeah. her i don't I, I don't feel things for her
1: and yeah no i mean it was it was great but it was like okay whatever um i'm here for justina i really want johnny to make it <laughs> I think yep. that, um,
0: Neve, I think it's gonna I think, gonna are coasting go
1: to are, I think I, AJ's coasting. I agree with that. I do. I agree. But we'll see. I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll anyway, happen. we're
0: in it for the long haul, y'all. October lasted 75 years.
1: Yeah, we're, they're, they're, they're like,
0: like more than anywhere. halfway through. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, okay. So, all right. Dancing with the Stars. Again, we're recording this on a Monday night. We're, We're going to see tonight's episode later Or I will And you'll talk about it tomorrow Um, (laughs) Let's move into though You said you did some homework This month What did you do? I
1: did I did So um, This has been homework for many episodes And while I did not In full disclosure I did not watch the full series I did watch the last three seasons Of Schitt's Creek
0: Oh why only the last three You didn't watch so, the first two four, Three
1: No so like my, uh, my boyfriend Has been watching Shits Creek on his own And Got it. so when he's like Cooking or cleaning or whatever it, We just have it on in the background And then I started yeah. watching it Got And it. I'm like oh this is really fun And so then I basically um, Finished out the Series with him and so we finished that mm-hmm. On this time
0: Nice. Do you have an inkling to go back and see where it all started?
1: Sure. <laughs> yeah. not, not really, because I think the cool thing about this series is that once, once they've, like... The whole reason why it was like difficult for me to get my head around, uh, in when I watched the first couple episodes, is like how are the how is this sustainable? How is this sustainable? Where it's like this family that's like trapped in a town for however many years, and then you kind of see as they go along where the heart comes in, and at least in the latter seasons, from what I feel from just watching the latter seasons only, is like ah, oh, I see they're adapting. This is how it goes through and so on and so forth. And so that was really beautiful to see. Plus I was also like really just kind of really just thirsty for it, to experience what so many people like the, the catharsis of like having that beautiful ending with so mm-hmm. that so many people loved. And I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I'll watch it all the way until the end because I want to have that. I want to see mm-hmm. what it is they saw.
0: Did you watch the, um, the after special of the best wishes, warmest
1: regards? We sure did. And that was yeah. beautiful and heartbreaking. Super emotional. And, mm-hmm. and super emotional. And it's, you know, I'm the thing I love about Shits Creek is that they ended they ended at the height of their of everyone's love for them. And it's really like that's beautiful. Like I I'd I would rather go out like that than go out like, you know, too many episodes than Law and Order mm-hmm. SVU. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So
0: I mean Listen, don't knock that paycheck. Go ahead, Mariska. Get yours. Very
1: true. Because
0: if I was Mariska Hargitay, I would ride that wave all the way into season 35. Like, go ahead. Cool. Um, But, yeah. And then, you know, the Rose family was well overdone this Halloween season. Um, And lots of Moiras and lots of Johnny Roses and lots of Alexis's and all of that. So,
1: very popular group costume. was Super popular family.
0: group costume. Yeah, a little overdone, but whatever. We get it. It's loved, and it was a moment. It was a cultural moment for sure. Um, I'm glad that you watched it. Now I feel like I'm not talking to an alien.
1: I am very glad that I watched it as well. And so I probably cute. will go back just because it's so beautiful, so I probably will go back and watch a little bit more.
0: Maybe now, after three years, Josephine, you will trust my artistic opinion on things. <laughs> Maybe now you'll take my advice, damn it. Whatever. Just kidding. Not really. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding at all. Um. <laughs> okay, so the comfort watching that I've been watching is also kind of a, a not a homework moment, but like I finally caught up to it moment. Um, ah. Oh. So first of all, we should say that the Great British Baking Show is back. And while I personally think it's so boring it's also like the most comforting boring thing to see ever to just see people baking lovely sponges and cakes and beautiful it's a trifle (laughs) yeah exactly and like oh i've got to make matcha (laughs) like it's it's beautiful (laughs) so i watch it for some reason every time i watch an episode of the great british baking show i fall asleep like halfway through it so it's kind of like this lovely sedative for me but but I'm not mad at it. I'll watch it every single week. I do. But what I have been getting into, and what I did get kind of almost caught up on,
1: is Killing Eve. Mm-hmm. You like? Have it? you have you watched it? No, but again, this is one of those things where people are like. I thought you'd be all over this, and I'm like, I think that's
0: people, it. I know.
1: Yeah but i it's just it's not in my radar it's not on there's it's not on my it's it, it is in my radar let me rephrase that it is in my radar it's not something that I've made the time for yet same thing mm-hmm. with flea bag like it's those b b c british versions of British shows that I just haven't made the time for yet
0: uh-huh I felt um kind of the same way I was just kind of like it was on my radar. You know, my dad had told me that he really loved it, that he wanted – he's like, oh, I think you should see it. You'd really like it. And I was like, okay, sure, whatever. But, you know, I was busy watching Grey's Anatomy for 25 years. So I was like, whatever. It's fine. Um, And then finally I saw that it was on Hulu. The first two seasons were on Hulu. And the third season is coming out later this week on Hulu. Um, So I was like, all right, let me just give this a shot and see what's up. So I watched the first episode and I was like, oh, Oh, okay. I'm in this now. It is it grabs you very quickly. It has the kind of thriller who done it ish almost of of an SVU, but then also kind of has like the sexy um element of like
1: scandal almost like a scandal, like a silk stockings. like yes.
0: A, yeah, it okay. felt a little like a Shonda scandal to me, but more sophisticated and more um like darker like the death scenes are more gruesome and stuff it's like okay. yeah
1: okay. so it's it's also phoebe
0: waller bridge right yeah. so you can't go it wrong is. it is and the writing is really smart and fiona shaw is in it which i didn't realize but fiona shaw can do no wrong she is okay, just well, everything
1: i might have to now fiona shaw I,
0: I need to like just let our sevens know the face that you just made when i said fiona shaw cuz i said fiona shaw and Josephine's face just spasmed. I mean, his I his roll eyes, eyes rolled back. back in his head, and he gave like a slow shoulder roll <laughs> with like an O face, and was like, "Oh,
1: it yeah. was very like ah, this." Oh,
0: Fiona. Yeah. So now that I've said Fiona Shaw, um, I want I want that for you. So get into it. I'm going to be watching season three later this weekend, um, and. There you have it. That was my comfort watching. What have you been watching this month of October?
1: Oh God. My comfort watching has well, it's October and I have a horror podcast. So I've been just binging horror films left and right. Mm -hmm. Um, I am like almost, I'm two episodes away from finally getting caught up on the chilling adventures of Sabrina. um, Especially since the final season is coming out in December, which is really nice. Um, I watched Vampires vs. the Bronx. I watched Hubie Halloween on Netflix offerings. Um, I did, we did a unit on the devil in Fright School. So I have watched The Omen and Satanic Panic and Horns and um, all, uh, what is it called? Um, we Summon the Darkness. And so like I've watched a lot. And then on actual Halloween, um, I watched 1999 Tim Burton's Sleepy Hollow with Johnny Depp. Mm -hmm. Uh, and christine ricci super fun love it very gruesome very gory watched um uh it's the great pumpkin charlie brown which like famously infamously i should say was not going to be aired on any network television this year so apple tv plus um, i'm not sure i just know that it was like you're not going to be able to watch this on network television Mm. don't know why but um, Apple TV Plus had it and put it up for free until November 1st, Correct. so that way people could enjoy it. Um, first time seeing it for me, uh, surprising nobody. And then I watched uh, Hocus Pocus uh, and uh, Trick or Treat uh, from 2009, yeah. so it was it was a nice fun time, but that was kind of how I... Um, got my catharsis out of it. Oh, and I also, this is something, this is, this is not technically, it's a, not a new thing that happened in October, but it's something that I've been comfort watching too, is, um, the Amber Ruffin show on Peacock. I um, have
0: heard about this. Can you explain, please?
1: Yes. The Amber Ruffin show is a late night show. Amber Ruffin was a writer and is a writer and comedian. And she was on, she wrote on Seth Meyers show. And during the, um, during June justice this year, um, Seth Meyers gave her a more like Seth Meyers gave her a platform and Mm -hmm. she had a recurring segment of like jokes that (laughs) Seth can't tell, but they would, she would come on with another woman and tell them. Mm -hmm. And so she has this late night show once a week, every Friday comes out on Peacock only like a half hour show, but it is the most like, it is the most radical politically radical thing that I am not even politically like, Humanitarian radical thing that I've ever seen From a network coming out Uh Um, Like it's Just so awesome How she's also just like speaking directly To camera and saying like this is she did a whole thing in the most recent episode talking about how this senator who was running in another state like did not say comma like purposely said mispronounced Kamala Harris's name even though he is a senator and she like went in on it and said like these are the people who work for me and name the and name them and it's like this is how like so I recommend it seriously, especially right now in this time, if you're having a difficulty, she also does. She always ends with like a lullaby to get you through if you're having trouble sleeping. And it's Aww, always something, hey. um, it's always something like really political. It's like, you know, if you are not, um, uh, we'll, you know, we'll resist, we'll get through this. And, uh-huh. you know, um, until there's a vaccine, like very, very, until nice. there's a
0: vaccine. There it is. Oh, wow. I know. We we did have a lot to talk about, apparently, even though we did a lot of nothing this month. But I, well, I might
1: before, have to put the meaning of Mariah on my uh, wish list for this Christmas.
0: Oh, um, I highly encourage
1: you to do so. Yeah, you're you're not you're not the first person. You're definitely not even the fifth person to tell me this. So
0: I I feel like I have been talking about that book to. Everyone, I can. It, as much as I've been talking to people about early voting, I've been talking to them about <laughs> the meaning of Mariah Carey. Like, have be, you voted be yet? And have you read part. Mariah Carey's book yet?
1: It's like, are you going to wait in line? (laughs) It's like, I will send you this book. You can read this in line.
0: That's basically it. Yes. Um, But at the beginning of this recording, I challenged Joe. I said, do you think that we could get this done in an hour? Because lately we've been rambling on and
1: on. (laughs) It's been much longer than an hour. But I mean, it was much longer than an hour. It it was not much longer than an hour. It's definitely not our shortest episode. But it is Mm -hmm. also not our longest episode.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Hopefully
1: goodness. next month, well, next month, I mean, is the beginning of the holiday season. And so it is. there's a lot it is. To watch. Lots,
0: lots of the holiday shows and the holiday movies and the return of network television and
1: programming girl. I, I want to watch uh gray's anatomy. Just seeing these like, yeah, uh, just,
0: I know there's um, a lot happening. So I feel like there's a lot coming up that, um, that, that we're approaching, and you know, obviously, the aftermath of, of election day. You know, who knows? Hopefully, we'll have answers by then. Um, and you know, we'll continue talking about art at you because it will be another time of the month. See how that comes around? <laughs> see, you, <laughs> see how you get a period, period every month, and we come back to you every single month. You see how that works because it's like we're a period. There you go. <laughs>
1: Planet, you know it's coming.
0: Planet, buy your tampons in advance. You know we're coming for you.
1: A light flow this year, or the light <laughs> flow this month. There it is. Will be much heavier next There it is.
0: Um, as, as ever, friends, thank you for listening and like and subscribe and review and rate us and all of that stuff. And talk to us and tell us what you're watching and what you're liking and um, find us on Instagram, all that stuff. But uh, thanks so much. And enjoy your time of the month.
1: Bye. Bye Bye-bye.